We're beginning a brand new series today, and it's called Collide. You know, just like every series that we do here at Faith Life Church, I believe that in every series, all the messages, God is wanting to accomplish something specific in us, for us, and through us as a church. So as we begin this series called Collide, and we'll go three Sundays with it, and then I'll jump into our uh, reset series for the summer. But as we go through these next couple of weeks, I believe that what God wants to do with this Collide series is something special. So let me take a few minutes and go over what I believe that is. First, you have to understand this. Since the very beginning of time, biblical values and the world's values have been on a collision course. They have and they will continue to collide to clash. And so in light of that, I believe in this series called Collide, God wants to teach us how to live in, how to prosper, and how to impact a world for Christ that has opposing values, where our values clash with theirs. And so I want to begin this series today with a message entitled Prepare for Impact. And when I say prepare for impact, there's really two sides to that. One, we need to prepare because our values are going to collide with our neighbors, possibly, with the people we work with, with our boss, or with the people we supervise maybe even with some family members. Our values are going to collide, so we have to be prepared. But then also, we've got to be prepared to be an influence and to impact people for Christ in this world. So let's get into this message. I want to pray over it. But then let's get into this message, prepare for impact. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you today that as I minister this message that you placed in my heart, that God... You'll accomplish what you want to accomplish in our lives. Jesus is head of the church. Your anointing and ability is on me to bring out this message in such a way that you're glorified. Lord, today I thank you that great peace and great joy is ours, even in the light of knowing that our values will collide with the world. But Lord, we thank you that you'll help us. You'll prepare us. And that we will be prepared for any impact. And that we will have a godly influence on the world we live in. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you know that we are called to be light in the darkness? So that would mean that there has to be some darkness if we're going to be the light. And so let's get into this message. And I want to start today by taking you to a passage, actually to a letter in Scripture where the aged Paul writes a young minister, Timothy. Now, Paul is finishing out his ministry, and Timothy is just beginning his ministry. So go with me today to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, and I want us to read some words that Paul writes to Timothy. And as I read these, I want you to see how applicable what 
Paul writes over 2,000 years ago is to the world we live in. Here's what he wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 1. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Wow. Does that sound like the world we live in? Difficult times? People who only love themselves and love money? And then how about this one? Scoffing at God. Scoffing at God means that not only do they not believe in him, not only do they not put faith in him, but they make fun of him. Mm -hmm. And so if they make fun of Jesus, if they make fun of godly values, then they're going to make fun of you when you hold on to those values. Yeah. Jeff and I were just talking this morning and, you know, with the Supreme court upcoming decision being released, you know, Roe versus Wade. It's just a very, very accurate picture of how far our world has gone in being ungodly. Jeff was saying how it just was so disappointing and heartbreaking to see women screaming, angry, saying, I want a right to kill my baby. Now, they weren't saying that. That, That's not what they're saying. In fact, here's what they were saying. I'm proud I had an abortion. Now, listen, we can love the person. We got to understand they have adopted a worldly value, and that is that life in the womb doesn't count. Folks, that is not where we stand. That is not where God stands. The church needs to do everything it can to protect the unborn. One of the things that we're doing as a church is we had a relationship with a ministry called a woman's place. And then through some changes that happened in the ministry, we lost touch with them for a while. Well, we're connecting with the ministry that took them over. And it's kind of a larger ministry with more ministry to young women and women of any age that find themselves in this place where, because sometimes it's older women that are married that just, they don't know God and they think, I don't want this baby. Well, so we're partnering with a woman's place and with new life solutions to help women, to help single moms who choose to keep their child. Because we have the obligation to be light in the darkness and to stand for the unborn. So we will not back down from that. It's not a political issue. It is a moral issue. It is a value. But how many of you know then sometimes you're made fun of if you stand for the unborn? Well, let us make fun of them. I'm going to watch over the babies. Now listen, Paul was preparing Timothy for the impact. The world was not going to grow less evil. Paul was telling Timothy, the world is going to grow more evil. Now here's the truth. Well, I'll just put it this way. Here's what I've experienced. People who do not prepare or don't understand that there's going to be a collision 
of godly values and worldly values, then if they don't understand that, they may not survive that collision. They, they may find themselves just kind of moving over a little bit and then a little bit more and a little bit more. <coughs> mm. So I, I want you to be prepared for the impact. We must know that biblical values will collide with the world's values. Now, now let me say this. I am using the word, the phrase, world, purposely. Because I'm not talking about individuals. I'm talking about the spirit of this world. Now, there are some who embrace the spirit of the world. But I'm not talking about people. We don't come against people, but we do come against that spirit. And we need to know that they're going to collide. Now, now listen, know this, Paul told Timothy. Why did he say know this? You need to know this because knowledge is powerful. So, so we could just say this, we already know. Jesus taught us that the world's value will collide with ours. They're going to collide. Knowledge has power, and knowledge prepares us for the impact. Let me put it this way. Knowledge of the upcoming collision of godly values versus worldly values empowers us so that we are not surprised, not caught off guard, and not shaken. Mm. Let's talk about not surprised. I think some in the church are still surprised when the world adopts immoral or ungodly values. I'm not saying sometimes that it doesn't sadden us, and I will admit that sometimes I'm still taken back a bit at just how far the world goes or just what they value, just how confused they are. But listen, we are not surprised. Can, can I just tell you this? You don't need to be surprised when the ungodly adopt ungodly values. We already know that the world's values are on a collision course with ours. We know they will collide. I'm going to say something here. I believe the church needs to do a much better job of teaching our young people that they are going to collide. And I think sometimes our young people have been lost and their faith has failed them because we never taught them there was a coming, a collision. And that that's the way it's supposed to be. Hmm. Not surprised. We are not surprised when the world adopts ungodly values. Jesus told us they would. Now, now here's why you don't want to be surprised. Because you don't want to be caught off guard. I'll put it this way. Because we know our values will clash with the will clash with the world's. We are not caught off guard or shaken when they do. Uh, come on, 
Have you ever been caught off guard? One of our sons loves to startle me. You know, catching you at the right moment. Come, I don't like that. What happens when you get startled or when you're caught off guard? You lose balance for a minute. You're, you're not able to think clearly. Hmm. Is that what happens to some people in the church? Because they haven't come into the knowledge, what Scripture says here about the world. They don't understand the world system. They don't understand that Jesus already said that's what was going to be going on in the world and that we needed to wake up and realize that that is what's happening so that we're not caught off guard because the other thing, when we are caught off guard, then we can be shaken. Our faith can be shaken. Just say this. Some in the church have not survived the impact. They were shaken and walked away from their faith, from the truth, when their Christ-like values collided with those of the world. And I think just the simple truth, just sitting down and talking to our young people, how many young people does the church, do the church are lost when they go to college? Because all of a sudden, they're in a culture they're hearing values that collide with their own, and they have to stand up in the midst of everybody heading that direction. They have to stand up and say, hey, that's the wrong way. I'm going this direction. Hmm. I'm glad that some of them do come back. But maybe if we taught them about the upcoming collision and prepared them for the impact, they would survive the impact. Knowledge of the coming collision helps us stand firm, holding on to godly values. You see, I'm not so sure that we've done enough to teach our young people and to teach the church how valuable walking with God is. And some of us who are leading the way and older, we need to live by those values so that our young people see that it works. Our, our granddaughter, we're so proud of her, Jeff's oldest granddaughter, she just graduated from college in Wisconsin. And she came down here a while back. Well, actually, when she graduated from high school, we brought her down and gave her a, a little Florida trip. And we'll do that for her college graduation, too. But she went back home, and she said, you know, Jeff has three daughters in Minnesota, and so we don't get to interact with them on a daily basis like, you know, with our boys here. But she went back home, and she told her mom this. She said, Mom, there's just such peace in that house. Hmm. I want to be an impact. She's in a world that is teaching her values that are heading her in the wrong direction. And we've got to be an in influence. But if we get hurt in the collision, how are we ever going to impact others? Can I just tell you this this morning? You're not wrong. When you espouse 
godly values, you're not wrong. Those values are not wrong. See, here's what happens. Sometimes we want to let go of them because we really have an accepted reality. And one of the things that what Paul is teaching Timothy here in Scripture does, this knowledge that Jesus gave us about the world that we find in the Bible helps us accept reality. Uh Uh-huh. It helps us accept the reality. Knowledge of Scripture helps us accept the truth. Now, here it is, that as followers of Christ, we are on the opposite side when it comes to the world. It's like this. Have you ever been maybe watching a college game on TV or maybe you were ever, maybe you were this person at one point, maybe you went to NFL game and for some reason you couldn't, couldn't get tickets on your team side of the field. So you're the one person in the bleacher with the gold jersey and everybody else is wearing red and you're sitting there and you're in gold. That's sometimes what we feel like in this world. We feel like that we're the guy or the girl with the gold jersey on and everybody else is looking at us because we've got on a gold jersey. And then they're rooting and everything and we're sitting there and then we get up and we look around, we're the only one that's rooting for babies to live. We can feel like that. But listen, that's why it's so important that we gather at church. Because all of a sudden, I see, oh, I'm not the only one wearing a gold jersey. There are others wearing the gold jersey. And I'm taught and built up so that I can go out and yay with my gold jersey. Now, now listen, I want to make sure you understand this. Our goal is not to change everybody in the bleachers. It's not to win over everybody in the bleachers. You know what my goal is? When the person sitting next to me, when the person right behind me, when the person in front of me, you see, if I do that and you do that and they do that, and all of a sudden the gold jerseys, we look, oh, there's a group of gold jerseys over there. There's a group of gold jerseys over there. That's what it's supposed to be like. Don't try to change the entire world. Just change someone in your world. And if you let go of your values, you can't win them. See, see, here's what gives us the courage to wear the gold jersey. Now, Now listen, the reason I can wear the gold jersey in a sea of red or blue or green, whatever it is, is because I'm on the winning team. And I'm not going to give up my jersey. In fact, I'm going to pass out gold jerseys because I want everybody to be on the winning team. But I have to remember this. The jerseys are free, but people have to be willing to take them. Come on, I've got them, and I'm looking to pass them out, but they do have to come to the opposite team because God and his values are win. Now, let me just say this again. We'll move on. Knowledge found in the teachings of Scripture help prepare us for the coming impact with the world's 
opposing values. It keeps us, oh, excuse me, keeps us from, <coughs> keeps us from being surprised, caught off guard, or shaken. Now, let's, let's talk about not only preparing for the impact, but preparing to make an impact. And this next verse is going to help us with both. Listen to John seventeen seventeen, And just before I read it, here's what I'm going to talk about. You need to brace yourself with the truth. When we say brace yourself, we're talking about prepare. So you need to prepare yourself with the truth. Here's a prayer that Jesus made, John seventeen seventeen. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Jesus prayed for us to know the truth. Now, now you've got to understand where and when, where, where in Jesus' ministry that he prays this prayer. He prays it just before he goes to the cross. He loves his disciples, but he's praying and he's saying, God, I'm coming to you, but I'm leaving them here in this world and I want them protected. And the one way for me to protect them is to pray that they will know the truth. Hmm. Brace yourself. Jesus knew we would need the knowledge of the truth to live in this world and to make it so that our faith would not be shipwrecked. Knowing the truth helps us brace for the impact. Listen to the definition of brace. To define brace, it means to hold up, to make stronger, to enable. Mm, Brace yourself. Brace yourself with the truth. The truth helps our faith survive when our values collide with the world. Can I just say this? Usually speaking, the younger you are, the more difficult the collision. The more difficult it is to measure, to maneuver the collision. And so we that are a wee bit older, more mature, we need to make sure that we're embracing the truth. That we're teaching the truth. And Jesus went on to say this too. He, he said, God's word is truth. He said, teach them your word. In other words, you have to be taught the truth. You have to be taught it. This morning I'm teaching you the truth. When our boys, many of you know our story, our family story. Jeff and I married later and we adopted two boys, Stephen and Ethan. And they were older when they came into our home. Stephen, we celebrated his 10th birthday when he came into our home. And Ethan came in just when he was turning 7. So 7 and 10. But once Ethan joined us, I remember Jeff sitting the boys down at the table. And myself called the family together and he got out his Bible. And he told the boys, boys, just want you to know, this is the book we live by. In this home, this is the book we live by. Maybe some of you need to sit down with your family again. Maybe they're a lot older. Maybe you need to even reach out to adult children and say, listen, here's how I live. Here's the truth. Here's what I believe to be the truth. Come on. The truth is a powerful weapon for good. When we know the truth, we have an advantage in this world. 
Mm. We have such an advantage in this world. And we become a blessing to the people in the world. Do you know how valuable you are because you know the truth? You are valuable to the people you work with. You're valuable to your family. This church is valuable to this community. We're holding up a bright light. One day, this life, this world is going to be gone. But what we do today is going to make a difference for eternity. We can't let the collision throw us off balance and begin to think, well, everybody else believes that way. Maybe I'm wrong. No, you're not. Listen, settle it. The Bible is truth. There is no greater truth. There is no other source of truth. The Bible is the truth. Brace yourself. Listen to Romans chapter 3 verse 4. It says, of course not. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. As the scriptures say about him, you will be proved right in what you say, and you will win your case in court. Now, obviously, he's not talking about a court in our legal system. He's talking about a more important court. He's talking about the court of heaven, the court of eternity. Listen, God wins. And here's the truth. Well, let me read this same passage in the Easy Reader's Version. And listen to this. I want to bring out something in this passage. It says, same scripture, Romans 3, 4. But it says, no, even if everyone else is a liar, God will always do what he says. As the scriptures say about him, you will be proved right in what you say. And you will win when people accuse you. Now, now, I read that because I want you to understand. People, the world, let me just say this. The world, that system has accused God of being unfair, unloving, unkind, judgmental, all because of the truth that is found in his word. And sometimes we've thought, yeah, I don't know. Is that love? I'm going to talk about, in one of these series, three weeks, I'm going to talk about what love really is. And the bottom line is, People know whether or not you love them. And if you are being judgmental, they'll know that true too. But that is not God. God is full of compassion, but he wins. I don't care if everybody else is a liar. Come on, God is telling the truth. I don't care what the world says. Some people say, well, you know, I had somebody tell me one time. We say, Pastor Jane, it's 2000. I said, do you know that he's the Alpha and Omega? Do you know he saw this day? He sees way out ahead of you, and he still said this value is what will bring you life. This is how you live prosperous. This is where peace, this is where joy comes from. And listen, if I could just say this, because, you know, we're the church. You know, we're here this morning. So let's just talk about us for a moment. If we had a little bit more peace and more joy in our life, maybe we would be a better witness of his values. I have to get over myself. I'm spanking myself, too. The power of the truth. We've got the truth. Can I say this? It's always best to side with the truth. The truth is powerful. Even if you're the guy or the girl in the gold jersey and you're the only one, you win. I'll say this. Truth wins every time. Truth for the win. Wow. Come on. And the truth... It's not only the brace that holds us up 
protects us, and enables us to move freely in a world that opposes us. But it does more. It makes us a blessing. Not only does it prepare us for the impact, but the truth prepares us to make an impact. Truth makes a difference. Listen back to John 17, 17. John 17, 17 again. It says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. I want to take just a moment to look at the word holy. Now we're talking about becoming an impact. It means to set apart for a sacred purpose. This is holy. To set apart for a sacred purpose. To cleanse, to redeem. The word holy, which is also the word sanctify, also means this. To set apart for God's special use and purpose. To make productive of spiritual blessings. You see, the truth is powerful because it's spiritual. It's above the natural. That, that's, and I'm going to talk in this series about this. We are called to be different. We are not called to be weird. Okay? Now, some people may think we're weird, but you don't confirm that, Okay? Or at least don't tell them you come to this church. Tell them you go. (laughs) Come on. Now, here's what you need to know about the truth. The truth never leaves us like we are. It redeems, restores, cleanses, and makes us ready to be used for the master's purposes. Hmm. Listen, truth makes a difference in our life so we can make a difference in our world. Folks, I feel like never before God is calling this church to make a difference in this city of Tampa at your workplace. it's, It's not me. I'm not the one who's called to make. No, we are called to make a difference. And can I say this? There is a difference between knowing Christ as Savior and letting his truth sanctify us set us apart. Mm. The challenge most Christians face with the world's culture is that they spend more time looking at, hearing, and learning about the world's world's culture than they do the truth of God's word. I commend you for watching online, for being here this morning, but, but can I just help you understand this? And I'm talking about this collision, not only preparing for the impact, but preparing to be an impact. I want you to understand this. Our church services here at Faith Life go an hour and 10 minutes. Do you know how many hours you have in your week? 168. So one hour and 10 minutes versus 168. You got to have church every day. We've got small groups that we provide for you too. I do my daily wisdom. I hope you sign up for my daily wisdom. It takes all of three minutes to read the daily wisdom, but it gets you off. If you're not signed up, go out to our website, click right at the top and sign up to get your daily wisdom. Come on, let's have some wisdom. Don't go through the day dumb. Anyway, just thought I'd say that. Okay. Now let me, I got to wrap this up. I only have two minutes to wrap this up, But, but I'm talking about getting Jesus, Jesus prayed How's his prayer going to be answered? Let me just wrap this up by going to a familiar passage. John 8, 31 and 32 says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, that would be us. 
You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Listen, just real quick. I, I just want to bring out this truth. I don't have time. That message, that scripture, we could preach on it for a month itself or you know, weeks at a time. Uh, but here's what I want you to know about this word, no. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And what you have to know about that word, no, is that it's the word gnosko. It means to learn to know, come to know, get a knowledge of, perceive, to become known, to understand. It also means to know by experience and observation. Basically, if you study out this Greek word, you'll find that this word knowledge isn't talking about just head knowledge. It's like the freedom in Christ comes when you not only know the truth, but you know the author. You know the author of the truth. You have a relationship with him. But you come into relationship with him by getting to know his truth. Now listen, while knowledge of truth is powerful. Knowledge of the author of truth is life-changing. I'm convinced a lot of people know the truth, but they don't know the author. Because I don't see the life change in them. And how can we change the world if we haven't let his truth truly change us? There's nothing that prepares us better for the collision with godly values than knowing God. Knowledge of God will hold us steady no matter how evil the world becomes. Let me just finish with this statement. We are prepared or we prepare for impact and are ready to make an impact as we come to know God through the truth of his word. Amen. Did you get something out of that today? I pray that you did.